This is Sustainable Conversations on the Broomwagon, brought to you by the Broomwagon Podcast. Because despite by thinking that we are all superheroes fueled up with jelly candies and raw food, there is still a lot of pollution around the bicycle world. Stefano, aka Calamaro, and Andrea, full-time nerd, are going to talk with the champions of bicycle sustainability. Sit down, listen to it. What's up, everybody, and welcome to the Sustainable Conversation on the Broom Wagon. I'm Stefano, aka Calamaro, and I think that you know my voice. And I really would love to push you on listening to this podcast, open a bit your eyes in the sustainability world. That's what we are going to do in these episodes. And write me some messages or let us know what you think about that. And, well, the email address is always the same. Hello at calamaro.cc, the classic email. Otherwise, just follow us up in the classic channels. In this case, the channel of your host over here and is calamaro.cc. You can find it, as usual, on the Instagram. Otherwise, read Calamaro on the Twitter. It's pretty, pretty, pretty classic thing. Nothing really changed about the format of it. Relaxed conversation in front of a beer or a cup of coffee. From time to time also on the other side of the ocean. But something changed on the topic, as I was saying, a different angle on what we're talking about, sustainability on the cycling world. If you want to know how this concept came out, just go and listen to the trailer. It's kind of the first episode of the series. And if you want to know what is going to happen in this first episode, just listen a bit. Today we are going to talk with people behind Rebel Bikes and Y-Cycles. Y-Cycles is a company that makes only frames made of titanium. And Andrea was in the market exactly for one of those kind of uh, super indestructible and still clean frames. That's why you decided to go for Y-Cycles. With this research, you understood that also Ravel as a huge print of sustainability. Then when we decided to make this kind of series, it was a no-brainer. We had to talk with them. That's why we contacted them through a couple of channels and we got to talk with two of the main players behind these two brands. I'm talking of Chris Rachel, the, I hope I'm pronouncing it correct, Chris Dirty Rachel, actually, and he's the marketing guy behind these two brands and still all-rounded bikepacker Dirty Riders and Adam Miller, CEO of the two brands. We got into a conversation and it was pretty amazing. Listen to that. And today we are, and when I say me again, I'm talking about Andrea and myself, we are pretty, pretty, pretty honored to have here Adam and Chris from Rebel Bikes or as well from Y Bikes. And well, hi everybody, how are you doing? Hello, good to be here. Hello, great to be here as well. Hi there. Perfect. So seems like here we need a bit of a warm up, even if it's already super, super warm. And I'm talking about the Europe side of the conversation. It seems like on the other side in Colorado is not as hot as here. But probably to warm up a bit the things, I would say that probably we can do a small round of presentation so everybody knows who is on the side of the microphone. I will start from here to Europe. Everybody knows me, right? I'm Stefano, aka Calamaro, and everybody is here because we are going to make this amazing Broomwagon podcast. Uh, I'm Andrea. I'm uh, basically a full-time nerd. <laughs> <laughs> Love it. Uh, I work as an as a IT engineer, and I'm, uh, I'm a very passionate biker. Cool. I'm Adam. Uh, Adam Miller. I'm the founder and owner of Rebel Bikes and Y Cycles. And I'm Chris Dirty Reichel. Uh, I am the marketing guy for Rebel and Y and also bike packing and world traveling addict. Perfect. Seems like all of us here is more or less in the same uh, bicycle field, I would say. I don't know, probably, maybe I can start exactly from there because everybody knows that actually I'm more uh, the long distance and discovery and social rider more than the performance one. So I would love to know from your side, guys, Adam and Chris, how do you see cycling in terms of, I don't know, if you're a bit more engaged on performance in the uphill or in the downhill, on the dirt or in the paved world, or you are more in this kind of cycling called exploring cycling and long distance or experience cycling. Probably can work in this way. Um, yeah, I'll, I'll, I'll jump in. I guess like like all of us here, I'm a total total bike nerd and have been since I was a 
little kid. Uh, I grew up in Alaska where it was quite cold and I got really into biking uh, when I was a kid and joined a kid's bike group and then got really into, uh, into mountain bike racing um, in the early 2000s uh, when I was young and did uh, cross-country racing and road bike racing. I even did some triathlons, which I, I try to not talk about too much anymore. Uh, and, and then through high school and college, I uh, tried to be quite competitive and was, you know, got got decently okay for the local races, but I was never quite fast enough to be a full sponsored professional, um, uh, cross country or, or road bike racer. So that's when I decided to shift my focus towards, um, making the bicycle so I could still be around that scene a whole lot. And so I like to say, I just, I wasn't quite fast enough to, to be professional. So I decided to, to make the bike. So, um, that's where I started, uh, um, uh, the first started we made uh, fat bikes because i grew up in alaska and we, we rode a lot of fat bikes on snow mm-hmm. and then uh, from there sold that company and then started y cycles because i like the artistic titanium bikes and then uh had been working on rebel bikes for quite some time because that's sort of my favorite type of bike to ride and race so now i don't race anymore i just like to ride bikes for fun but i like to make bikes for people that are a whole lot um more talented than than, than i am because it's pretty neat to see <laughs> to see what they can do <laughs> cool um what about you chris actually i saw a couple of interviews of yourself also in the bike bikepacking.com seems like you also yeah. enjoy a lot the adventure side of cycling i do i i, I come from a, a strong strong roots of uh skateboarding and bmx which led to downhill racing in the late 90s and early 2000s and then i got pretty burnt out on traveling around and and scaring myself every weekend <laughs> on the downhill track so uh i had a friend gift me a single speed. And I was like, what am I going to do with this? Like, this is, it's, it's fully rigid with V brakes. Like this is the anti-bike that I ride and, uh, just got hooked. I started treating cycling more like, like hiking, but five times faster, you know, okay. I can, I can jump, jump and coast the downhills, but I can also use it to propel me deeper into the back country and find more technical trails. And so it kind of sent me off to the races. And for the past, uh, over a decade, I've just been solely focused on finding like the most remote most technical um trails from the from the himalayas to here in north america um just just having a good time going going deep um, on my bike and it's pretty cool to that all the equipment has evolved and bikepacking gear has gotten so good and bikes have gotten so good that now i can just keep going deeper and deeper and deeper and and having more full experiences and and yeah and I'll, I'll, I'll kind of jump in. Chris and I have known each other for quite some time. My first company, Chris reached out because he was doing a bikepacking trip in Iceland and wanted to borrow some bikes. And I said, hell yeah, you can borrow some bikes and you know show them off there. And then a few years later, I just started Y-Cycles. Chris was at Industry 9. And uh, we had to go to the Eurobike trade show just just near where, where you guys are yeah. um, in southern Germany. And uh, Chris called me up one day from a you know, pure business standpoint and said, hey, do you want to just meet in switzerland and ride our bike to the trade show instead of you know flying there and then renting a car and and all that and i said oh absolutely and so that i i'm not as much of a bike packer but chris has shown me a whole lot of that sort of thing so we did this amazing bike packing trip where we had our bike packing bags but we had like our collared shirts and our fancy shoes in the bag so that when we got to the trade show we could <laughs> we could put on our nice clothes and uh we did a really slow paced bike packing trip and just drank a lot of gin and bikes across switzerland and um did the did the trade show and and flew home and so that's kind of how we got to know each other and where we kicked off working on on y cycles and rebel bikes together perfect so before to start with the real sustainable conversation and asking you the first questions about that i want to actually to catch from you a promise please next time that you're coming over here because you need to attend to the next fair or trade show or eurobike or whatever and you are planning to do a bikepacking travel on that give us a shout we are going to come with you you got a deal (laughs) okay perfect we're gonna bring whiskey with us then you're gonna bring the other things that you need Ah, actually no you cannot fly with that but we're gonna take care of the of the booze part ourselves no worries you'd be surprised i'm I'm, I'm sure we can figure something out i mean uh, my my father is a is a barman and my my mom is a cook so (laughs) i guess you're set all right we'll be good we're officially friends sure perfect (laughs) 
so I will start from the really first question that comes into my mind to do the sustainable part. So I already made the first mistake because I said why bicycles instead of why cycles, but you know what you mean. But actually, Revel and Y are the two company that you together run with different, yeah, with different skills and with different tasks. And the both of them are really, really close to the environmental and sustainable um, topic, right? Can you tell us more about that, how everything started and why it is really the core, the center, so sustainability, why is the center of the two brands and the two companies? Yeah, I mean, really for us, we're all bike nerds at heart. Um, I'm a total business geek as well, but that's not nearly as fun to, to talk about. Um, so I, I wanted to start these companies to make good bikes that, that I wanted, that my friends wanted, and hopefully a whole lot of other people. Um, and, and luckily that's turned out to be the case and business is growing quite quickly and, and we're growing very, very well. Um, but I sort of have a, a bit of a moral dilemma too, because it, when I was starting this, a lot of people said, why, you know, why are you making a bike? There's already a lot of good bikes out there. And to a certain extent, a lot of those people were correct. Um, I like to think every bike we make is a little bit better in, in certain ways, um, than everything else out there. Uh, that's our goal at least. Um, but the bottom line is the world doesn't really need more bikes. Although I think more bikes is better than more cars or more trains or more airplanes or really just anything else. We wanted to do this in the most, um, kind of, uh, uh environmentally friendly way and, and just try, try to treat people well, treat the world well and, and do everything just a little bit nicer. So, um, we all like riding our bikes in nature and exploring, uh, the, you know, the deep back country. And so why not try to, uh, focus on that with our business as well. Um, we are not perfect by any means, but I like to think kind of one of the core principles when I started this business was to make really good bikes and do it in the best way possible for uh, the people around us and for the environment that we live in. So that was sort of the goal with everything. Cool, cool, cool. Um, let's start from uh, Titanium. Maybe Andrea is the, the first question about Titanium because he's really nerdy about Titanium stuff. Uh, yeah, I mean, like, what I was wondering is, I mean, I, I totally get the point on on the durability side of things, right? But uh, as you as you mentioned, you you're a total also like you know business geek kind of thing, and I, and I was wondering uh, how can it? I mean, like you you probably buy a titanium bike, put a pair of V wings, and is most likely the last bike you buy, right? So uh, the, the last bike you buy. So I, I was wondering, how, how is this sustainable from from a business perspective? I mean, totally. And and I I think that's a super good question. Um, and I'm kind of chuckling because it's total business geek, but I'm a bit more of a bike geek, which which isn't always the best for business. <laughs> um, <laughs> the the titanium bikes. I so I started Y cycles and Rebel bikes at the same time, but I knew it would take quite a bit longer to get the rebel bikes to market carbon full suspension bikes have just a lot more going on than uh, hardtail titanium bikes um so the bicycles products were really i just wanted to do something fun and unique and cool and kind of make these niche products that, that i wanted you know i wanted a 27.5 plus hardtail that you could go bikepacking on i wanted a gravel bike and i wanted a fat bike that wasn't made out of carbon so Y cycles is really centered more around. I just thought these bikes were really cool, and I wanted to wanted to make these bikes. But it's totally not as good of a business model um, because you're exactly right. The, the bikes are designed to last for ten or twenty years. However, I think most people who buy a bike like this at this price point and with these features is also a fellow bike nerd, like all of us. And you might get sick of your bike after a few years. So to me, it's not it's not a bad business model. You know, you buy a bike that does last forever. So you don't need to buy a new one in two or three or four years. Um, however, a lot of people still do. They might buy their 27.5 plus hardtail and use it for some really gnarly bike packing trips for a few years, and then maybe turn it into a single speed, um, and buy another titanium bike. Um, it's certainly not like carbon bikes where I kind of knew this, is the, but now that I've, we've had almost two years of selling our carbon, uh, rebel bikes, People really do buy them and sell them after a year. Um, and luckily, then someone else gets to ride them. You know, they, they still last a long time, but not nearly like titanium bikes. So I guess to answer your question, yes, it's probably a bad business model, but I'm a total bike geek and it makes me happy. It makes me feel good to make these cool bikes that do last a long time. Um, and we're doing pretty well, so I, 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 can't, I can't complain too much about it. 
Yeah, I mean, I, I probably got like, you know, the, 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 the largest amount of question on why would you buy a 29 plus bike? I, I have a wayward. And I mean, like a lot because, of people were asking. Because the wayward is the bell. <laughs> yeah, exactly. So, I mean, like, you know, exactly. So <laughs> but yeah. Quick, quick side note on the wayward. Um, it's, it's now the version two. And I had taken version one down to Baja for a few months last year as we were getting, I was working remote down there as we were getting Revel started. And I spent a lot of time on that bike and I came home and I'm like, this bike is almost mm -hmm. awesome. I would change <laughs> these three things. I would change these three things. And I think it'd be the best bike packing bike ever. And Adam was like done. And he changed it. And next thing you know, a prototype showed up and he nailed it. And so now you have wayward version two. <laughs> yeah that, that that's what i've got and uh, it's 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 really amazing yeah that's that there's this much you can tell, yeah. I, I, I like that bike a lot yeah <laughs> me me too <laughs> i have to say <laughs> that's great to hear yeah um i have another question talking about titanium so because we talked about the business model of how sustainable is the business model of creating bicycles of a material that is basically indestructible? And that's super cool. But going a bit on the production side, uh, how sustainable is the production of bicycle of the titanium first? So bicycle made out of titanium, in your opinion, is how would you consider a better way to building bikes, comparing, for example, with uh, I don't know carbon or aluminium or whatever? Or it's just a method that you have to put a bit more effort, but still you're going to have a bicycle for your life. Yeah. Um, it, it, titanium is actually really very good um, as far as this, uh, building uh, the, the manufacturing process. We work at the really small factory um, in northern China. Uh, it's like a mom and pop. There's 18 workers there. We only have three welders, and I'd put them up against any welders in the world as far as quality, uh, quality of work. Um, I kind of found that factory. I traveled factories that make a lot of the titanium bikes you'll see um uh out there mainstream manufacturers and this is just the best one um a lot of it was really that it's just a fun place to go you have a lot of people here chinese manufacturing and think oh it's all terrible and, and bad and that um like when i go there we we land um and it's all like hugs and high fives all around and then we get for a few days when we were in um Friedrich Schaffen, we you know had a had a lovely Chinese dinner in, in Germany, and it's just a, a beautiful blending of, of world cultures where we are we're all working together. It's cool bikes, but this factory is really quite good at the sustainability side of things. Um, and quite frankly, it's 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 probably more for financial reasons um, for, for a lot of people. But what's good about titanium is there's there's really very very little waste. Um, every bit of shredded material or stripped off. Um, a bit of material or scrap is saved and melted down uh, and, and reused. Um, it's not quite like aluminum, where a lot of aluminum bikes can literally be made out of recycled Coca-Cola cans or recycled beer cans. Titanium doesn't quite have the volume to have a good recycling uh, supply chain, if that makes sense. It's not like the average American or, or um, European household is has a bin of recycling in their for newspapers and aluminum cans and titanium products it's just not quite used that much um so the raw material for the most part really does come from mining titanium ore mixing it with um different alloys to get the the titanium tubing that that we use um so from the beginning it, it's not usually used out of recycled material but once it's made uh, you do get a bike that lasts a very long time that then can be recycled if you'd like to. However, there really isn't the infrastructure for that yet. Um, but the process is very low impact. Um, it, 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 there's, there's not a lot of waste. There's not a lot of chemicals to paint the frame or to treat it like there is with, with aluminum or carbon. Um, it's just a metal tube that gets welded together. Uh, it gets cleaned up and then it goes out the door. Uh, so it's a very low impact manufacturing process um compared to uh, aluminum is actually quite good as well we don't work very much in aluminum just because w we can only focus on so much and we're a whole lot better at titanium and, car and carbon um uh, but aluminum's aluminum's quite good uh however just because something is recyclable doesn't mean it gets recycled and that's where a lot of uh, problems come into place uh yes you can get an aluminum bicycle but when it cracks in a few years or maybe you just get tired of it are you really going to strip down all the parts use a solvent to take all the paint off and send it back to asia to get melted down and turn into another aluminum bike probably not 
Um, that's something we're trying to tackle with our Rebel wheels, recyclable fusion fiber um, composites. Uh, and we're just barely starting to do that. And we hope we can really improve upon that. Cool. I have the last question still talking about titanium. So the why part of the business, let's say, and uh, is actually how is on the other side, um, how is fixable everything made of titanium and how is your policy out of that? So, uh, I mean, if something happens, for example, for my, to my frame, to my titanium frame, and because everything can happen anyways, even if or to a material that is pretty resistant and stuff, um, how do you do that? So, because from Andrea, because as I was saying, he's the nerd part here on this interview in this side of the desk. Uh, I know that basically titanium is mostly indestructible, and if something happened, you can actually fix it, uh, fix scratches and whatever, pretty pretty easily. But what happens if something massive happens to to my frame? Are you able? If I'm gonna send um, the frame to you, are you able to fix it or any kind of other part? Are you able to fix it or uh, how do you do there? Yeah, yeah. Um, yeah, what's neat about titanium is it is very fixable. However, we're quite lucky we haven't had to deal with that in the four years we've, we've been That's selling the, the titanium bikes. Um, like anything, um, there can be you know, minor issues that pop up just from, from little manufacturing issues, but we've had very, very, very few of those. Um, uh, we're about 80% below our target from little small issues. So we're very happy with that. We do a lot of fatigue testing lab with our titanium bikes quite a bit more than most of their titanium brands do so we can be very confident that when we ship that product out we hopefully the only thing we have to hear is hey i really like my bike not not anything else so that's something we're very proud of but yes if something happens or if you drive over your bike with your car titanium has a very um uh, it's very easy to fix um we don't do that in-house since we do our manufacturing in asia that's how we can get uh much well one more cost effective but also higher quality from a kind of in between it's not quite produced but you know a little higher volume than than hand builders so um if you do have a problem we can we'll take the frame back we'll we'll replace it and then we'll take that frame and ship it back to our manufacturer to have things fixed up um and then it's a it's a new frame again again really haven't had to deal with that because the frames are quite durable but if that happens it's a very easy um solution and that is where things are different um both than carbon fiber certainly um and in alum aluminum that also holds true it's pretty easy to fix however it's just not cost effective because the frame is actually so inexpensive that it doesn't practically get recycled it's cheaper to replace it with a new one than to go through the process of fixing it um so titanium is really a great material in that sense uh it, it just works quite well to fix replace if you have a scratch on it, you just uh, can buff it out and it looks brand new again. So you can really keep your bike brand new for forever, hypothetically. Okay, that's super, super, super cool. Uh, actually, you, 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 spoke about, uh, you spoke about your, your wheels, right? The, the, the Rebel rims. Uh, I was wondering, like, so uh, I know that, I mean, in, in your pool of engineers, you have, uh, you have one guy that used to work for Envy. I don't know if, if he still works for them, but doesn't really matter uh i was i was wondering like i mean what is the issue on producing something out of carbon and i mean which i mean it's basically plastic right and why is not possible i mean it's normally not possible to recycle it and what you did uh to to make it possible to recycle yeah yeah so yeah we we've i've, I've been lucky enough to work with a whole lot of people who either were the original founders or, or main executives at Envy. And I've been lucky enough to spend a whole lot of time in carbon fiber factories in, in China and Taiwan. And so I feel like I've, I've, I've been exposed to, to a whole lot of this stuff. And uh, really so much of it comes down to cost. With traditional carbon fiber, um, thermoset carbon fiber, which is what every carbon bike is made out of, um, it's, the, it's the standard, what we think of carbon fiber. Um, it's basically a mix of the actual carbon and then epoxy. And the epoxy is what sort of causes all the problems with traditional carbon fiber. And I have to be a little bit careful because we make our um, our Rebel uh, Rail Rascal and Ranger, our three models, out of traditional thermoset carbon. Um, so you know, I'm sort of <laughs> I'm sort of insulting the the, the material we make. Um, but this is all sort of uh, working towards making more sustainable products. The technology is just starting to exist. So traditional thermoset carbon has epoxy in it. And epoxy is a, a chemical um, that 
uh, is not amazing for workers to breathe in when they when the frame comes out of the mold. There's a lot of sanding involved. Um, and if workers don't have proper uh, masks and face protection and gloves on, um, it's it's not uh, it's not fantastic for people to breathe in. Um, and then it also um, is a limiting factor in, in recycling it. So uh, you there are ways that people found to recycle traditional thermoset carbon, but it involves using solvents to basically dissolve the epoxy out of the carbon fiber and then reuse that carbon fiber. However, you have to chip it up and cut it up so that the strands are very small. And then you have to re-impregnate it with carbon fiber. And that whole process is way, way, way more labor and time and cost. Um, uh, it, it costs more than it would cost just to get new carbon fiber. So it's just a cost prohibitive system. Um, and it uses more chemicals, which are also bad for the environment and dissolving away the epoxy. Uh, so it's just not quite practical. With our new uh, fusion fiber, a company called CSS Composites developed this material fusion fiber, they reached out to us to say, hey, we'd like to partner with you to kind of release our first uh, 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 carbon frame made out of fusion fiber to the world. And I said, absolutely, that's that's amazing. Um, their goal was to sort of solve that problem of a recyclable, cleaner manufacturing process for uh, carbon fiber composites. So fusion fiber is really the exact same as carbon fiber except the very key difference is there's no epoxy in there as the bonding agent um instead of epoxy fusion fiber uses a uh, a nylon polymer so basically a fancy plastic and then instead of a chemical process to cure and dry and harden the material together like epoxy it's just a temperature process so that uh the rooms are flash um heated up it takes about 20 seconds to heat up uh, to very high temperature where all the nylon melts it it flows through all the carbon fibers and then as it cools down it's it hardens everything together um so one it's a very clean manufacturing process uh because there's no chemicals only heat involved and then you actually recycle that material um you do have to chip it up so you don't have long fibers anymore you have short fiber you can't make another rim out of it but you could make an injection molded part or top levers for the first uh, first item we made out of the recycled material. Um, all you have to do is chip it all up and then heat it up. That's where that nylon polymer will melt. It'll flow throughout all the all the fibers again, and then as it cools, um, it it hardens and it turns it into a solid, toughened material. So um, we're very happy to have this partnership with CSS Composites to sort of take this recyclable carbon and see what we can do with it. It's, a, it's an experiment. It's a work in progress, make more products, but we're really excited. So hopefully someday uh, have everything that we make be legitimately recyclable with infrastructure in place to, to make things actually recyclable. And, and do you think that you, you can make kind of a bike out of it, a bike frame out of it or parts of it or... Absolutely. Basically, we can. The, the wheels were the first product we made because they're actually quite challenging. Uh, carbon bicycle rims get a whole lot of abuse. Little lightweight bike tires really don't protect the rim very much if you compare it to like a car tire or motorcycle um, where weight isn't as important. Those tires are much more durable um, and you pump them up to higher pressures. We like having thin, lightweight tires at low pressures. And so carbon rims there's a lot of demand for them to be very lightweight because it's obviously a very nice thing to have a light set of wheels on your bike for all that rotating weight. Yet the tires don't protect the rims very much. So it's a pretty challenging product to make, to make something light, laterally stiff, vertically compliant, but also with a lot of impact resistance. So CSS took quite a while to develop the first carbon rim, um, which we're, <laughs> we're very happy to, to, to have them do, do all that homework. Um, so the, the rim's the first product, but absolutely the material can be used for all sorts of other things. The, the sort of long goal is to make a frame out of that, although that will take quite some time. So we're telling everybody not to, not to hold their breath, but, you know, our goal is to make everything in a, you know, better, stronger, um, hopefully cheaper product that is better for the environment. Cool. Well, uh, I need to actually here to play the devil's advocate. Uh, otherwise seems like. It's super amazing and I'm super happy that it's so super amazing. But the point is that the classic narrative of the market 
uh, that is all the times all over around, says, okay, carbon is the best, is super stiff, is anyways really, really comfortable, is still one of the best material that you can have on the bike, but damn, the heat is so fragile and nobody can really spot when something in uh, uh, in carbon fiber can be uh, the rim as we were saying our wheels or our frame is damaged or not knowing all this narrative that if i have to go through that a bit more deeply i can say that actually usually andrea kind of debunked a couple of times this kind of thing because he's the one telling me no worries about your uh, your wheels or your rims usually even if you actually you hit them hard it's really difficult because it's still a, a kind of a pretty resistant material but on the other side we have all this narrative around in the market and in the media out there and how actually are you telling to people, okay, you can still use your uh, tires, your rims, and in the future, hopefully, your frame that is made out of recycled carbon, but still, you are super, super safe to ride it without being scared of it breaking in the middle of somewhere that you don't want. Yeah, I, you know, what I think that all comes down to is, one, I fully agree with you. I think there's a narrative out there that isn't always correct. Um, and... I think bike companies, there's a lot of really good bike companies out there. And there's a lot of bike companies that maybe don't do all their homework sometimes on their products. And that sort of hurts the image of carbon fiber for, for, for a lot of us. So um, I think a, a, a huge thing is product. It, well, I'll back up a second. It's really easy to make a carbon frame or rim or any product look really good. With carbon, you have endless uh, freedom to design any shape. Um, with metal, you have more round tubes. You can hydroform or cold form tubes a little bit, but it's really, you can always tell an aluminum or titanium frame from the outside. With carbon, you can make any shape you want. So you can make these really beautiful, gorgeous looking carbon bikes, and then you paint it. And you can put all sorts of paint over the top to cover up imperfections. And so it's really easy for a very, like a new factory in China that maybe make a carbon frame look um, look just as good as you know, some of the best carbon frames in the world. One of the first carbon factories I went to in China when I was taking a tour, I was, I was 20 years old and got a ticket there and just went to as many factories as I could to try to find the first factory I wanted to work with for my first company. And I walked into this factory that it was in this dirty old warehouse in an industrial district. And they had Cervelo P5 and LaPierre frames and um, specialized frames and zip wheels. And they were all knockoff fake and products, but made and painted to look exactly like the actual manufactured product. And that's when I realized that carbon fiber can be very dangerous because, holy hell, that Cervelo P5 looks so cool. And they were willing to sell me that frame for 400 US dollars, not 4,000 US dollars like it should be. Um, so I guess that's a bit of a long-winded way of getting at that good carbon is very, very good. Bad carbon can be very, very and that bad carbon sort of makes makes the rest of us look bad because it's hard to tell. So we do, and, and most good uh, bike brands do a whole lot of um, lab testing. Uh, that's sort of the longest part of the development process for any bike or wheel. You develop your prototype, you make it, you make the geometry and kinematics and the looks are all what you want. But then the hard part is the carbon layup where you see inside the frame. And we try all these different layups. And luckily now there's quite a good knowledge base um, that say, oh, we're doing, we're making an enduro bike and it has this long of a fork and this size wheel. We know um, we do about 13 lab tests and we know the standards for all those. 100,000 cycles at X force. Um, and there's very, there's a kind of a recipe of all this testing. And that is a very good method to test what actually happens in real life in the field. A lot of maybe newer brands, less experienced brands will develop a frame and then they'll try to save money on testing, not do all this lab testing to ensure that you can sell that product and it's going to last for many years in the market. So um, that's something we're quite proud of is the level of testing and the discipline we use to develop these products and then make sure we're confident in them. Um, so if you get good carbon, hell yeah, you can be super confident, um, that it's going to last a very, very long time, uh, and be a great product. If you get bad carbon, that's when I'd start to get a little more, uh, wary and it, it's hard to tell sometimes, but, uh, 
uh, yeah, I think, does that make sense? Or do you have any other, any questions to clarify that? Uh, I have a question, but I think Andrea has something more. I'm going to just jump with mine, then we can, uh, uh, I can leave the word to him. The only thing that I want to tell you, yeah, it makes a lot of sense. It makes a lot of sense, actually, what you are saying, that it depends on the karma, it depends on how it's, you are working on it and everything. And actually, for me, your statement is super clear, because actually, you are, you have also something like a lifetime warranty and uh, a crash replacement and everything like this from your carbon this means that actually it should be really really an hard and tough crash before to crack your the your carbon wheels or your carbon frames and stuff like this and this actually tells exactly the story the narrative that you are saying of course there is carbon and carbon and depends on the quality and the manufacturing of, manufacturing of it also the durability and the strongness of it i don't know if you have to add something andrea yeah i mean my, my personal point of view here is that I mean, if if you have an impact that is hard enough to to crack carbon, would would actually crack also your aluminum rim, most likely, right? Totally. And I mean, I I, I had like you know, I I I landed on jumps with with my rear wheel on the you know on the knuckle in which, you know, I I broke spokes and my carbon rims are still there and they were actually still true, so. Yeah, I mean, it, it, it all depends on manufacturing, how bad you crash and whatever. But I think that if you if you go for something that is high quality, and I mean, does it doesn't really matter. I mean, a lot of people say, oh, you know, but this is produced in China or whatever. And I don't think that this is actually the point, right? I mean, uh, it's it's more the quality control that you that you do when 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 you want to pass a test rather than uh, the the actual place of production yes and and that's a you know we could have a whole nother podcast and hours of discussion on on what are made um you know it just the real quick version is is for for the most part if you get a bike made in china it's, if it's made if it's a reputable reputable brand it's fantastic i mean i've been around the the world to see different composite factories and we work with an amazing factory here in america and we work with two amazing factories in in china and vietnam and to me i don't care one bit what country of origin that product is made as long as the um the the workers are happy they're treated well the products are good and and it's and it's high quality um and it really doesn't matter where that is i think china gets a really bad rap but china's been making carbon bikes for a lot longer than anywhere else in the world so for, for the most part i'd rather yeah. get a bike made <laughs> i mean in china mostly than, all the bikes than, than are made there right <laughs> so yeah they yeah. they know what they're doing and if you go to the right factory they are talented and they are work hard and they care and they the, you know the reviews and they'll listen to this podcast just like all of us do and to me that's such a cool thing to have this relationship with people on the other side of the world that you know we're all working towards the same thing we all want to make these really good bikes and and that's just a really fun and rewarding part of it for me um i have still another little play here a role actually sorry to play here as david's advocate still on the carbon so we talked about the carbon um, so the brand new carbon things that you're producing, if they're good, if they're strong or whatever, can we actually switch exactly the same conversation that we're having now about carbon in the future recycled rims, recycled, uh, yeah, recy carbon recycled rims, carbon recycled frame that hopefully everybody is going to produce. So we can still be a hundred percent sure on also the recycled carbon in the future. Um, yeah, I think I understand your question. Just to be sure that that is happening and it's practical, is that is that sort of it? Yeah. Yeah, yeah. Um, totally. Everything we're seeing says yes. I mean, we're seeing it not just in the bike world, but in the aerospace manufacturing, mm. um, and then and then vehicles. Um, this type of uh, fusion fiber that's basically fused a polymer, a, a plastic, um, seems from everything we can tell, seems to be the future. It, it's uh, stronger, generally you therefore a lighter product out of it, and it can be cheaper as uh, manufacturing scales up. It can be cheaper to produce because you can produce it in a more robotic uh, method. So we're seeing this with um, uh, Airbus is using a very similar material um, for the frame of their uh, of their new wing. It's called the wing of the future. Um, for I think it's the Airbus three. 
50. I, I'm not sure, but either way, yeah. um, these, uh, major, major, um, uh, bell helicopters is, is one Honda jet. All, all these companies are starting to use this sort of material, um, because it's cheaper, stronger, lighter, and then therefore when it's done, you can actually recycle it. Um, one thing is, uh, that I found very interesting when we were really looking into this was, uh, wind turbines. So the big white, uh, wind turbines to generate electricity, which at least here in the U S are very popular when those, those wings have a lifespan of a, about three years, which is very short. And they're made out of a mix of thermoset carbon and fiberglass usually. And after three years, they have to get taken down. One wing fits on a semi-truck. So it's like three semi-trucks to for one turbine. And they end up getting driven across the country, uh, um, an area in Nevada, where they're just buried. And they're going to be buried and they will never degrade for 50,000 years or something. Uh, there is no use for those things after three years me it's a bit ironic because it's a uh, trying to create sustainable wind energy yet the item being used for that is hugely terrible for the environment you have to bury it in the desert and then it stays there <laughs> forever so if those can be made out of a material like this then maybe that gigantic wind uh, turbine wing can then be ground and melted down and turned into you know any other number of things Yes, I think recyclable carbon frames are the future. I think it's going to take a while to get there because it's very expensive to develop all of it. Perfect. It's pretty, pretty clear anyway. Thanks a lot for this explanation. Adam, I would actually just ask you the last question away and then we can move uh, from the carbon yeah. also to all the other things, something like packaging and stuff like this. And my last question on the carbon thing and on the recycling on the carbon is, okay, we are clear, and actually I really loved your uh, your answer there. You, you're saying, okay, this is going to be used and is already used. This kind of typology of technology of carbon is also used in the aircraft production and stuff, so it should be safe. And that's also an amazing thing. And that's actually has put as well myself in the hope of in the future having not only in bicycles, but all over the, the industry that uses carbon fibers in the production with this new technology. And for me... It's pretty, pretty nice and pretty fine with that. But my question on that, that because now from now on, you are starting producing items that are made of recyclable carbon fibers. Are you going to also put in place um, a program, a system in order to call back all the materials and all the items that need to be recycled so you can actually start using it again? And I don't know, by giving a discount or stuff like this, or you are still on the plan on doing it? What's your idea on that? Yeah, that's a fantastic question because again, it's really great to make something recyclable, but if you can't uh, if, if it's too cost prohibitive to recycle, there's really no point <laughs> in the first place. So, of course. Um, yes. Uh, yeah. Already what, what we've done, uh, working with a manufacturer, CSS Composites in Utah, um, we've partnered with them to, if there is a problem, if a rim does break in the field, that rim, uh, we pay for shipping to ship that wheel back. Uh, we rebuild it or we replace it to the customer. Uh, so the customer can keep on riding very, very quickly. And then we have that room back in our facility, um, uh, in their facility to chip up and recycle. So that's step one. Um, and that's quite easy. It's just, a, it's just wheels. It's just a shipping label. And we already have that system in place. Um, we try to make it very easy. We don't put any coatings or paint on the rim because that makes it much more difficult to recycle. Then you have to use a solvent to clean that off and then, uh, and then recycle it. All we do is vinyl decals on there. So it can be very easily peeled off by the consumer or the factory just peel off the sticker and recycle it so as we um Perfect. Uh, products out of this material um we will absolutely expand that program so it's very easy for customers to to send back their product if there is ever an issue of course the goal is always that there's no issue you know, sometimes <laughs> there can still be a problem and then we can recycle it yeah yeah yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah and I'll, I'll speak for that as well you know as we move forward with more products made out, out of the material um I'm taking it very personally as the storyteller, as the person with the megaphone, to let the consumer know, to let all our fellow bike nerds know that it is recyclable and that we will take care of it. Uh, there's no reason that any that these rims should ever see a landfill or a dump, and um, and that I'm taking that very personally and trying to spread the message as much as possible to make sure that never happens. Cool, cool, cool. It's great to know. So um, I'm gonna something like drop the ball now back to Andrea because he told me that you're doing something super, super cool with packaging and shipping your bike around the world. 
Yeah, I, I've heard that that um, that you ship your bikes on on Evoc bags, right? Is that right? Or well, yeah, I'll actually jump in there because there's been a bit of confusion. We started ship um, with Y Cycles for the last four years and Revel for the first year. We shipped our bikes in, in Evoc bags, and we actually stopped doing that just a few months ago. Um, and, and there's a few a few reasons for it. Do you want me to just kind of jump in and tell you the whole story there? Sure. Yeah. Just please, please cool. go. Yeah, so that was a big part of it. You know, when I started this, I wanted to make everything as sustainable as possible and better for the world. Um, and so a big part of that is packaging. There's so much carbon or sorry, cardboard and plastic uh, wasted with shipping bikes all over the place. And so we decided, wow, wouldn't it be cool to just ship bikes in a reusable Evoc travel case? They're quite expensive anyway, and then consumers can get those. And then when they fly with their bike um, or travel, they have their already and no cardboard would ever have to be wasted when we ship a bike out. And the concept was fantastic. However, when we instituted it and we shipped hundreds and hundreds of bikes in these Evoc bags, we found customers were it, mostly not very happy with it. Some customers were very excited. Oh, they get their Evoc bag, but I'd say over 90% of customers kind of said, can you just ship it in cardboard? Or can I get a discount if I don't take the bag? I just don't want it. I don't have anywhere to put it. So kind of what we learned was a lot of people don't really fly with their bike that much. And so then it sort of almost backfired because making that really cool Evoc bag um, takes a lot of resources. It takes a lot of materials and, and labor time and then shipping those uh, you know, from the factory in Vietnam or China to us in Colorado. That has a carbon footprint as well. And what we were finding is that really important Part, the reusable part wasn't happening. So we made the call, you know what, this isn't really accomplishing the goal we thought we're going to, we're going to not do it. Um, what we have done instead is everything ships in normal cardboard boxes. So that's boring. You know, every company does that, but we've moved just recently moved towards using only cardboard and only recycle recycled and recyclable packaging materials. Um, the very last step is tape. We're going to be using a full paper tape so that the full cardboard box can be recycled. We still have to get through our pallet of plastic tape and then and then we'll be switching to the paper tape. But then every single part of that packaging is recyclable. We use the least amount possible. We buy it from a source where we know it comes from recyclable recycled paper. So we're we're quite happy um, uh, with, with that system. Yeah, I just had this conversation a couple of days ago with uh, with uh, with the official importer of uh, Revel bikes in Switzerland, which actually has another company that uh, produces boxes. Cool. <laughs> so we, we were having this conversation around you know the Evoc bags and, and and the fact that you don't ship it anymore in in Evoc bags. And, but yeah, that, yeah. Uh, very, very interesting point of view. We do a lot of re reusable packaging. So we actually have a little card that we put in every, in every box that kind of says, excuse our, excuse our dust, pardon our dust, um, pardon the, the packaging material, because when we get a frame in from China, we reuse that same packaging material to send it to the customer. And actually most brands don't do that. They throw away all that packaging material and replace it with their prettier packaging material. Um, in the U.S. And to me, that's such a waste because, yeah, the bike gets the consumer and it's very beautiful and perfect looking, but you just throw all that stuff away anyway. So we reuse as much material as possible with the sacrifice that maybe it's not the, they're actually still quite good. Our, our bike builders and packer, packers are quite good, but it's not the most beautiful display when a consumer opens up their their box. Um, but we put a little card in there saying, hey, we're doing this for environmental and cost-saving reasons. What's very cool is a lot of these more environmentally friendly things actually save money too. So we're able to sell our bikes a little bit lower than we would otherwise. Um, so the goal is just, even if it's a small step, we try to do all those things. We don't print our cardboard boxes with our logo because ink, uh, the ink is actually fairly um, uh, toxic and the production process is, is very good unless you use very expensive soy inks, but even that has a negative environmental impact. So we figure out oh, the box doesn't have a big, pretty rebel or Y logo on the outside, but, that makes it better to recycle, uh, much better to produce, and actually cheaper as well. Actually, that that would have been my, my next question. <laughs> so, because yeah. I noticed that that you don't have any logo on the on the on the bags on the on the boxes. Yeah. So what uh, what started all this conversation about sustainability of the bikes business and and so on and so forth was actually how sustainable. How sustainable is a e-bike, and what's your take on this? 
Because, I mean, my personal point of view is that, you know, like, batteries, they, they suck and they, they will always suck unless you, we find a better way to kind of store power, right? But what's your take on e-bikes? Yeah, well, you know, I think that this is a big question, obviously, and I think in America it's very different than, than Europe and geographically everywhere is a bit different. For, for us, for me, it's very simple. I don't know anything about, about batteries and motors. I didn't learn that in school. I didn't become an electrical engineer. So I don't know anything about them. So it's really easy for me to say we're not going to make e-bikes because I just don't know about them. We're plenty busy making titanium hardtails and carbon full suspension bikes that there's no way I want to I want to make an e-bike because other companies have a lot more financing and a lot more experience that are going to make a better e-bike than us. So we're, we do not want to make an e-bike um, for that reason. I think commuter e-bikes are fantastic. It can get cars off the road and get people riding bikes to work. I'm sort of in the market for one myself because I think that's just really cool. Um, mountain bike e-bikes are really fun. I mean, I ride dirt bikes too, and I, I love twisting the throttle and going really fast and tearing up the trail. Um, here in America, e-bikes are definitely causing a bit more of a land use issue that um, uh, I think has broader implications for the rest of the mountain bike market. And that's where things are fuzzy um, uh, here at least. But the bottom line is if an e-bike can get a car off the road and get people outside, you know, pedaling to work instead of driving there, hell yeah, e-bikes are fantastic. I think it's great, but I just don't know a whole lot about them to have a great, um, you know, to have a whole lot more on that. All right, cool. Well, I have a bit more kind of going through the end of the conversation. I have something like a broader question. So, guys, I have to be completely sincere. You are one of the company, if not the company with the biggest effort, putting the most of the effort into the sustainable game, into the bicycle world. Uh, from everything you told us about the packaging of uh, the package of the bike that you are shipping, uh, for actually starting to get into the business for making recyclable carbon uh, rims and actually going, in, going into the technology that is going to give us the possibility of recycle almost all the carbon that we have around, and then uh, titanium bikes for super, super durable bikes. Well, my question here is, if actually you are the example that you can play the sustainable game into the bicycle world and still be profitable and sell bikes and actually being happy with that, why not on what is the gap between making the same move that you are doing, or maybe different ones, but still with the same goal, and still, on the other side, producing stuff that are not recyclable or using a lot of plastic, using a lot of uh, carton that is not recycled or recyclable or not making all the moves that will make actually the bicycle industry that we already have to consider bicycles as an environmental friendly tool. But why not everybody just go in the direction of making also the industry, the production and the shipping and everything a bit more, let's say, carbon print and environmental friendly? Yeah, I like that. First of all, I'm really honored. There, there's a lot of compliments in there. And, you know, a few years ago yeah, when I started all thank this. Thank you very much. Uh, yeah, yeah <laughs> thank, thank you. It's uh, what you need, guys. I, I, it's exactly never... what I feel from my from the bottom of my heart because it's pretty, pretty cool talking with people that are really passionate about bicycle, but still really into the the mood and the, the need and really something like the happiness on doing something that is also environmental friendly, as I would say. So it's everything that yeah. I feel from, from the bottom of my heart. It's not, I'm not playing this game just because you are here on my, on my microphone. I have to be sincere. <laughs> I say thank, thank you. Yeah, thank you. Yeah, I, I never could have expected that we'd be having conversations like this. And, so, you know, the Rebel's only a year and a half old. We're still a very new brand. And the fact that we've sort of caught the attention, that's, you know, Chris has really helped spread, spread the word there, spread our mission around. And, and that's really cool to me. Um, I, I, I think to start, I mean, for me, I like to I like to feel really good about what we're doing. That's everybody's goal, right, is that work doesn't feel like work and it feels like fun and and. And we're pretty close to that. We get to have a lot of fun. Still a lot of late nights working, a lot of time on airplanes, um, visiting these factories to, to try to accomplish these things. But, you, you know, we're, we're by no means perfect. We're very, very far from, from perfect. Really, the most perfect thing any of us could do is, is nothing, is not make bikes, is not ride bikes, is not, not drive cars. But realistically, that's not going to happen. We all want to ride the latest and greatest, coolest bike because it's fun. It makes us feel good to go off and jump or go around the corner or accomplish a thousand mile bike packing journey. 
and the product is such an important part of that with our industry. So the best thing we could all do for the environment is to do none of that, but we can all be realistic and say, that's not going to happen. So our goal is that everything we do is just a little bit better or it's working towards it. And I think the biggest thing we've accomplished, yes, we've, we use recyclable packaging and we're working on these recyclable rims, but the biggest thing we've accomplished for a small company our size is to try to get the conversation started. If we can inspire bigger companies, some of the biggest bike companies in the world out there to start trying to be more sustainable as well, then that'll have a far greater impact than us just using less plastic tape on our boxes. And so I feel very proud that we've been able to do that. And I don't, I, I think just recently, maybe because we're involved in the conversation, we are seeing these other companies start to do this. Um, but I think it really has to come from the consumer side. If companies can see that more consumers will buy their products because they manufacture or they have more environmentally sustainable business practices, and they can see that there's dollars tied to it, I think that will help companies be better. Unfortunately, dollars are still, I think, the, the biggest vote that we all have. So I would say any company that is doing something better for the environment, we should all support them and buy their products. If that happens to be our products, I'll be extra thankful and happy. <laughs> but, um, but, but really, we should just support those companies that are doing that. And then I think we're slowly going to start seeing change. Um, when dollars and environmental sustainability can go hand in hand, and we can save money and be better to the earth, no company is going to not take advantage of that. That's great. So I have a last question from my side that uh, then I will open a bit if you have questions to us or if Andreas more questions. But my last question to you guys is what's next? In the environmental, so in the sustainable game of Revel and Why, what's next? What do you have in mind? What are you planning if you can tell us something? Oh, we can't yeah, show all our. You know, there's no. <laughs> <laughs> Gotta keep that secret. <laughs> um, we have a lot of cool products in the works. I'll say that much. And that's that's the really fun part, I think, for all of us to, to think about and work on and talk about. Um, but really, every step of the way, we just want to be a little bit better. We want to slowly um, use use better cardboard and use better um, recyclable uh, uh, polymers or just do everything a little bit better. You know, COVID has been kind of a big wake-up call that we don't need to travel as much, as, as much as maybe Chris and I are kind of stir crazy and wish we could get on an airplane to come ride bikes and drink beers with you guys in person in, in Zurich. Um, flying is not very environmentally sustainable. So um, our industry, like every other industry I think in the world has realized, hey, we can still get a lot of business done without flying. And that is good from a, you know, helps us get more consistent sleep. It helps us, you know, lower our carbon footprint. So I think just every step of the way, we're trying to think, you know, we're a small company. We're just, what are we, 14, 15 people now. And small warehouse in the mountains of Colorado. We just want to do everything a little bit better, leave people, customers happy, the world happy. Um, yeah, I don't know, Chris, what do you have to, to add to that? We, we just want to do everything a little bit better and more more friendlier for everybody. Yeah, and, and I just I just want to just work with more people that are on the same page as us. Like if we can join forces and we can get to know, hopefully with, with podcasts like this and our, our voice getting out there and you know, there's somebody out there who makes grips that are recycled or somebody out there who makes bar tape in a more sustainable way. Like we want to talk to those people and we want to, we want to figure out how to work together and just how to, how to grow this mission and, and just be able to play outside in a more responsible way and, and a better, be a better steward for our planet and everything that we do. And not just, not just make toys. We can make toys with a conscience and with morals. So I think that's what we're what we're really aiming for. That's great. That's really really great. Uh, do you have something to add, Andrea? Uh, no, I don't. Oh, perfect. And what about you guys? Do you want to ask us something? Uh, when you come into Colorado, when can we meet up and yeah? <laughs> <laughs> well, I would say that hopefully pretty 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 soon, and uh, yeah, hopefully soon. But I think that actually considering your frequency of flying also over to Europe, you're gonna come here first. <laughs> well, you never know. It's pretty, it's pretty great here too. Uh, it, it'd be a hard, be a hard decision if I had to pick uh, Switzerland or Colorado. They're both okay. pretty fantastic. I've never been to Colorado. We're, we're all pretty lucky. Yeah, I've never been to Colorado. <laughs> you actually have, have been already here to Switzerland, so probably should be the first time. Actually, it would be the right time for me to come over to Colorado. I don't know. Yeah, I still cool. have in mind yeah, we'll, to. We'll, we'll see you soon. <laughs> yeah, I am really, really in mind because I saw a lot of times a lot of amazing trails that I can come with my gravel bike and do amazing things. So why not? Yeah, why not? 
Yeah, I mean, uh, I mean, on my side, it was in the bucket list for this year, but <laughs> a pandemic got in the way, <laughs> so yep. I had to kind of reschedule. <laughs> so, yeah, a lot of things are rescheduled for next year. We can all go on more adventures then. Yeah, sure. Yeah, of course, of course. Well, people, then what else to say? Thanks a lot to be here, part of this sustainable conversation, and I can't really wait of seeing what you have in your i don't know what do you have in mind it's something that you kept secrets for my last questions i think that something will come over and i will actually keep my yeah. eyes peeled in order to get to know yeah, a bit more be, I, I think you'll be pleased i think you'll be very pleased uh, okay 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 I'm gonna get, let's do that no 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 i'm not gonna say that because i don't want to uh, to produce jealousy and from people that are listening but everybody understood hopefully something cool and actually i am already subscribing to all your mailing list so i can wait fantastic awesome awesome Th thank you so much for thinking of us and for and just for having the idea of this podcast in the first place it's you know we can do all we want but if people don't know about it we're you know that makes it more difficult. So thanks so much for talking about sustainability and biking. It's really neat to see all those things come together. So I think this is just the beginning of a big change that we're all going to see. Perfect. Thanks yeah. a lot, Dan. Uh, thanks a lot. I really appreciate you guys taking the time. It's It's been awesome. Same here. Same, same here, here, guys. Well, thanks a lot, guys, and talk to you soon. Yeah, see you soon. Thank you. Talk to so, you soon. Cheers. Thanks for listening to this amazing episode. I think it was pretty, 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 pretty inspired. And after this conversation, another conversation, and thanks also to the company of Andrea, I'm thinking about having a look to some full suspended bike, aka mountain bikes, still with a sustainable approach. But now we know a bit more on how and why people are building up some titanium bikes and what is behind the no logo cardboards that we are receiving at home and how also carbon can be pretty solid and also recyclable. If you like this episode, just remember that you can subscribe to the podcast, share, comment, and rate it. It's a great, great, great help for us. And if you are looking around on your bike for some cracks and stuff, remember what we talked about today. If you want also to send us an email, hello at calamaro.cc. That's the email where you can reach us for. I will talk to you, we will talk to you next week with another amazing episode of Sustainable Conversation on the Broom Wagon. Bye! Thank you.